we're back. Welcome to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Seems a little boring. You know, Joel, a podcast about college stuff, I'd rather talk about something salacious like lying, cheating, secret conversations, FBI investigations, imposters, family drama, criminal behavior, bribery, wiretapping, tax evasion, corruption, and millions of dollars. We'll call it Goodfellas. Oh, wait. That's exactly what we're talking about in part two of our emergency episodes of Get Schooled. And for you three or four loyal fans, our emergency episodes outnumber our regular episodes. Joel, we have a ton to cover. We aren't following our normal format, so take us straight to athletic recruiting cheating for non-athletes pretending to be Be athletes. athletes. So in part one, we covered exactly how students got the test scores they needed. But anyone in this business knows numbers aren't enough. You need something else, like a special talent that colleges would value above all others. The Holy Grail, the Cup of Christ, the Shroud of Turin. What could that be? What talent would make a college set aside their academic standards at all costs? A coxswain, Joel. A coxswain. It's pronounced coxswain or coxswain. You know, a rower in charge. A walk-on, backup coxswain. Ah, sports. The second most important thing to a college behind where they fall in the U.S. News and World Report rankings. Next episode you got to play a sport. you got to be more than that. You need to be a recruit good at sports. But, Joel, what if you're just not that good? But, like, what if I have a crap ton of money, no ethics, and I'm entitled and invincible? Is there anything I can do? Yep, there is. Here's what you can do. Step one, you find a coach who will sell a spot to you or will hold a spot to you. Singer, Mark Singer, CW1, does the legwork for you. He usually will find you a minor sport. All right, so you find find a coach who has a certain number of spots on his team, and he'll just sell one of the spots. Right. Because he works at a highly selective school or, as we mentioned, a selective school if you're a University of San Diego. Right. So we're talking, you know, tennis, water polo. Uh, Ooh, crew Ooh. sports like sports like that are the ones that they're typically using. Okay. Okay. Then step two: once you've picked your sport, you could just pick one. You could, like I could just pick a sport. I, I I could be a water polo master. You would be good at that. Not at all. Then I'm going to create a fake profile. So I'm going to look at what schools I want to get into to see what sports are available. Like a menu. Right. Like if I want to go to Georgetown, I'm going to play tennis. Right. I want to go to Yale, I'm going to be a soccer Soccer player. player. Right. Okay. So Mark Singer will work with the parents and create um, profiles for you. that You're going to upload photos of yourself, um, quote unquote, playing these sports. (laughs) That sounds fun. Um, Usually photoshopped, you know. Um, you're going to create a list of accomplishments. I was a three-year varsity uh, letter recipient in water polo. Um, I play for a club team. In Italy. Uh, yeah. You know, just just whatever I can come up with that will make my resume um, look appealing, but more basically look real. The best ones were the ones where the high school didn't even have the sport. Right. Right. Um, then step three 
I'm going to send my profile to the coach, who then is going to submit it to the admissions office. Okay, um, and working with the admissions office, um, you know, they're going to work to get the students conditionally admitted. Okay. And why would I mean I I can't see a reason why the admissions office would question the coaches. You have to tr- trust. We talked right. about trust before. You you got a lot of information coming in. If a, if a coach says that this person's a coxswain, then this person's a coxswain. Right. Well, and I think part of that too is because athletes in general are working with the athletic offices. Um, through the whole recruitment process. So, like you said, there has to be, on the admission side, there has to be that trust that the athletics um, officials know 100%, these kids. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a prime example, kind of going above the coach level, um, at USC you've got an associate women's athletic director. Um, the, the only higher level administrator uh, indicted. Right. right yeah. um, Donna Heinel. Um, who basically she would meet with the admissions staff, what, every two weeks, mm-hmm. and they would go through uh, potential athletes, and she would basically work with, unknowingly to the admissions office, but she would basically work again to get these um, athletes conditionally admitted. Right, and, exactly. And then she's getting money uh, from that, from Singer's 501c3 um, charity, you know. Uh, step four. Then you get a, a, a likely letter. So the college sends you that you've been conditionally admitted. Um, the parents um, s- stay quiet about it. They know what's going on. So they intercept the letter at home and don't tell the child, but they're feeling pretty good about their business with Singer because they have a likely letter. Right. But you don't tell the kid yet because they don't know they're a coxswain. Right. And then step five, um, once you get the official uh, letter of admission – then that's when the charitable donations, quote-unquote, happen. The money is, is sent to a Key Worldwide Foundation, which, again, that's the cover organization for Singer. Um, the parents get to write it off on their taxes. Uh, the college officials then get paid off by Singer and his charitable organization. Everyone's happy. My child's a coxswain. There's only one problem. What's that? We've got a few lies. We do have a few lies. Do you before I before I keep score again of the lies? Do you think that that Heinel thought she was doing a good thing in some weird sense? Because a lot of the money went straight to USC women's sports. Like deep down, do you think she felt like the ends justified the means in all of that? But I would want to know how you're talking a school of the level of USC. Yeah. It's one of the most well-known athletic programs in the country. Oh, yeah. How much are they really hurting for money at yeah, a level I, of USC? I don't know. Maybe she felt disenfranchised as far as women's sports. I don't know how Title IX works at, at, at USC. And I don't know how much money she would then funnel to herself out, right. of, out of the women's sports. But USC, for listeners, had... Violations. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'll just say it that way. Had had as many violations as all the other schools combined. Right. And it's because they had Heinel there to shut people up. Anytime someone got pesky, she was she was the one they'd have to answer to, and then she would just shut it down. Right. A pesky high school counselor, a pesky um, advisor at USC, a pesky admissions question. She could shut all of those down, which couldn't have happened at any of the other schools. Right. So. Let's keep track of the lies. 
One, you lied to your child, unless they're complicit. There were a few where the, where the, where the students just kind of knew right. they were cheating, and I guess they thought it was awesome, and now maybe they don't think it's awesome. You lied to your child's high school. You lied to the college admissions team. And for the record, no no charges, nothing nothing has been talked about as far as, far as anything untoward by the college admissions offices. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're almost considered victims right. in, in this case. Not that we don't see improvements coming in our minds, and we'll talk about that soon, but in this particular case, victims. Four, you lied to the federal government and cheated all Americans with your $250,000 charitable contribution to the key worldwide foundation, which is then written off on your taxes and you are not paying taxes on that income I don't like you. <laughs> Five, Heinel lied constantly to everyone, including, I think I have this right, but I think Lynn Swan he is, the is, is the athletic director at USC. Yeah. How can you lie to Lynn Swan? That's if, just sick. If you're not familiar, Lynn Swan, former professional football player, wide receiver, Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the greatest Super wide Bowl champion. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think that might be the sickest of all. Just kidding, it's not. But... It's kind of funny. It's, it's up there. It's up there. So so every time you lie, you cause distrust, and you create doubt for the rest of us. So so screw you. Man, I just I, – I told you I want to start cussing. That's as far as I'll go maybe. But – and we said this in our last episode, but don't forget that there's a soccer player out there somewhere who isn't at Yale who could have been. The domino effects of your lies are endless. With that – Let's take a much needed quick break. Let's do it. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. All right, Joel. We have done a ton of reading and thinking about this scandal and what it means to the college admissions process nationwide. I think most people in our business, and frankly outside our business, would agree that college admissions is a pretty flawed system. The scandal did not surprise us. Uh, It did capture the nation's attention, and it did expose the underbelly of, of this sentence, of this system. Sorry about that. We, we both have a good friend, Joel, Katie Murphy. Uh, she's a college counselor in California, where most of this happened. She is a past president of NACAC, the National Association for College Admission Counseling, in which you and I are heavily involved. But most importantly, she's really smart, really dedicated, and a fantastic counselor at a great high school, Bellarmine Prep. She posted, she posted some thoughts that ring true for us and many of our profession, in our profession. Can you take us through her thoughts. Sure. Um, and so she posted this earlier in the week. And I think what was funny is when we were both prepping for this episode, we both wanted to include this without knowing that the other right. one of us wanted to include it. I had so, already cut and pasted right? when he said we should cut and paste. Uh, yeah. So um, here, here's kind of her thoughts that she sent out to membership. And Chris, as we kind of go through this, Feel free to stop me and jump in and we, oh, can, I will. we can talk. So Just like that. Many of us have been disheartened by recent events and have shared our concerns. At some level, we've known things like this were going on. 
but to blame only certain aspects of our work, in my opinion, is too easy and simple. If you're interested, here's what I've been thinking, Katie, of course, and wishing. This culminating scandal came about because, one, parents love their children, two, parents feel a lack of control, three, parents want, quote-unquote, the best for their children, and four, there is privilege and greediness in the world. It's within our profession where the crux of the issue, wanting, quote-unquote, the best, can be transformational. I mean, college is huge. We talked about that in our first episode, that college matters. And doing something after high school is important. Uh, we get into the rankings. We'll talk about the realities versus, versus the impressions people have about what college means. But, but transformational, we, we do. We wouldn't be in this profession if we didn't believe sending students to college would be transformational right. in their lives. Well, and I think we both can also speak as parents who either have had kids go through the, the admission process or are currently living it. You do feel a lack of control. Because at the end of the day, your child has to fill out those forms and write those essays. And, you know, um, I felt a complete lack of control, and I know people. Right. I was afraid to call on my own kids right. or ask questions or, or do too much. I'll call for my Beachwood kids anytime, right. call up the counselor. But that, it felt really different when it was, when it was my own sure. kids. But, but I did feel, yeah, a total lack of control. Right. Yeah. Because what if they don't fill it out? <laughs> you know? Um, but but you you have to have that trust that they will. But to go back to what she's saying, that may be part of of what motivated some of these parents. There's anxiety involved in right. all of this. This causes the lack of control, wanting the best, caring for your kids. I think that all causes uh, a level of anxiety sure. in, in all of us. So she continues. At the same time, every time we talk about rankings, the best becomes cloudy as the best does not relate to an individual. And the rankings are results of perceptions, not experiences. Oh, yeah. We're going to nail that. We're going to nail that hard in our next episode. Thank you, Katie, if you're listening. Thank you for the uh, promo for our next episode. That's right. Every time we use the phrase, uh, we got Bobby into X college, achieving the best becomes a function of our own egos and self-promotion. I'm guilty of this. Totally guilty. Um, Kid comes in my office. I get into MIT, which happened this year for the first time in my professional career. I know not yours. And, you know, I tweet that out. Right. And I'm like, hey, Noah got into MIT. Take a look at this picture. And and while you're happy for Noah, maybe there's a little part of you that's like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally admit that. Yeah. Um, every time we tell a student to take a test one more time, we tie the best to those who are natural test takers, and we denigrate those with other intelligences and talents. Which, again, goes back to how valid is that test score. It's, it's really hard. I'm at a school yeah. where, like, we are ACT nuts. Our kids do really well. We work real hard because we know the number matters. But every time we do that, we are tying, we are, we are tying that number into, into, their, into their identity and value. And what I see happening is, is when you put that much to the number, we get a lot of effort out of the students but then on the back end, um, they, they tie their own identity and value right. to that number. And then you have to coach them the opposite. But then you're talking out both sides of your mouth because you're telling them how important it is. And then when they don't do well, you then tell them how not, not important, important it is. Right. And, and we're all guilty of that. We are all guilty of that. Yeah. 
every time we tell a student that he, she, they should apply early, we send the message that the best is only available to those who are ready and organized. Often at cross purposes with 17 and 18 year olds trying to figure out their lives and get a date for the homecoming dance and their parents who are trying to figure out college financing using net price calculators that many dismiss as inaccurate. Every time we circumvent high school counselors, we send the message that, quote unquote, the best is not their concern or goal for students. Every time we dismiss or ignore someone because of his, her, their job title or representation of a less selective institution, we're sending messages to them and to their students that the best is somewhere else. Let's remember that there are excellent high schools, CBOs, independent counselors, and admissions officers, just as there are those who are lazy, uninformed, and ineffective people in every category. This one's, this one's one I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yes. Every time we equate community college enrollment as a last resort, we send the message that the best is only a four-year college. I had a conversation just yesterday about this. I think it's because I, I talk about it all the time, so I'm the one having these conversations. But I was at my fantasy baseball draft yesterday with a bunch of guys at a school I used to work with. And two-year schools are awesome. It's where it's at. It's where you, you don't saddle yourself with tons of debt. Right. Why we look down on two-year schools is absurd. And, and we're, we're, we're comparing not only that, but, but you extend that bigger by, by looking down on state schools versus the things in the rankings Again, we're going to hammer that or hammer that home in our next episode. And hopefully in our first podcast, we adequately expressed our appreciation for two-year colleges as an option for kids. I think the option's getting better and better. Yeah. Every time we talk about the Ivy League, we send the message that the best is defined by eight universities in the United States among 3,000, which have different settings, academic offerings, and opportunities. And I think it, and she notes, and I think it's important to note, the Ivy League is an athletic league. That's all it is. Right. Athletic. It's an athletic conference, the Ivy League. So, um, I don't know. People just go crazy. It, 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 we, we're guilty of it, too. If you're, if you're at NACAC, the, the conference, and you're looking at what colleges, you're looking at going to a session, let's say, mm-hmm. to learn, and, and the session is titled, What Colleges Want to See in Essays? And then one of the presenters is from an Ivy League school. It'll fill up. Right. It'll fill up. If the presenters were all from community colleges, the session would not fill out and the, fill up. These are professionals in our field who who also feed to this. And maybe maybe we are we are trying to serve our customer base in that way. At the same time, we do it. We have the frenzy too. Um, yeah. So she went on um, in her message to offer some what she called decent proposals or actions that could take place within our profession and institutions. And I think a lot of these are, are definitely worthy of, of us talking about today. I want to hear something funny when I, when I read her message. So we, we were on, a, on a, an email group called The Exchange. And trust me, there's a lot of stuff on The Exchange. I get it in a digest format each morning. But... I mean, there's just so many things on there that just annoy me and are really just terrible, and I don't like reading it. And I started reading this one, and and she spelled her name, Catherine, with a C at the top, right. and I didn't know who was writing it. And I'm reading this thinking, finally, something decent. And then I get to the bottom, and I'm thinking, oh, that's, that's why, why it's so good. It's Katie Murphy. I understand now. Yeah. So anyway, her proposals... Um, 
maybe maybe uh, pie in the sky type stuff. But one of the things we talk about with this scandal is it's giving us an opportunity to talk about this and maybe maybe push in a, agendas in in a quicker, bigger way as a result of this. So so sorry, Joel. Proposals. All right. So number one, we work with boards of trustees and presidents to explain the nuances of rankings and the effect upon the mental health of undergraduates. Amen. Yep. Um, Two, we require transparency in reporting the percentages of students enrolled from early action, early decision, restrictive early action, and early decision two uh, to be reported along with 50% bandwidths for GPA and test scores. Agreed. Uh, Early decision. A lot of my students will not do early decision because you have to kind of know you can afford it and they want to keep their options open. The wealthy can do early decision, which does increase their chances for getting in to to schools who have early decision. Uh, There's there's an equity issue with with that. And yeah, at least at least more transparency in that world. I mean, I know I can count on definitely no more than two hands the number of students I've had in my career who have applied to early decision for right. the very reason that you state. Yep. So, um, we focus on publicity of college graduates who are not the 1%, those who are wildly successful and give to their communities in ways that are impactful. We eliminate the use of fast apps that serve only to increase applications and decrease admit rates. Quick description of fast apps. Colleges now pay companies to increase the amount of applications by sending out email links of maybe pre-populated applications. They, they make it all fancy, like, you are a priority application. Just click this button and you have now applied to our college, which then gets them more applications. If they get more applications and accept the same number of students, their school looks more selective, looks more selective which would increase and the students their rankings. And the students really think that they're at some advantage by filling out these fast apps. I've had kids, We this is a whole episode maybe, but I've had kids get fast apps who were not admissible to the <laughs> school from which they received a fast app. They just get a faster no decision, I guess. Maybe, perhaps. We eliminate the mention of rankings in all publicity and marketing. I'll save that for next Ooh. time. Do it. Don't even Have want, the guts. Have the guts, everyone. We don't even want to open that one. No, we can't. Episode. We can't. We eliminate early action, only allow students to apply early decision or restrictive early action, thus reducing the frenzy of students and parents wondering where they should apply early to get to the best and the pressure on students to write meaningful essays during what amounts to a four to six week time frame. Yeah, early action deadlines might be somewhere around uh, anywhere from November 1 to December 1. And if you just have a regular decision deadline where students are eligible for scholarships, that would give people a lot more time to get through the process and be extremely student-friendly in that way. Good idea, Katie. We restrict the number of applications a student may submit. Bold move, but again, decent proposals here. Right. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Yeah. I, I, I think I'll be that, honest. I uh, think that um, it's just part of, a, of trying to look at this from a bigger picture right. in a different perspective that keeps students I, from having so much anxiety. I think working with students to try and come up with a a good small list is key. I guess the word restrict is what's bothering me. You know. Right. Uh, We eliminate reporting admit rates. Again. Bold move. Yeah. 
people like to report that. People like to know that. But it would have an interesting after effect from that. We limit the times a student can take the SAT or ACT to a reasonable number. Okay, I'm not sure exactly how much, what the number is for SAT, but I know ACT is like 12, the number of times you can take the test. My highest is eight this year with one of my seniors. So even at eight, at $50.50 for ACT this year, just the sheer amount of money that's being spent. I'm sure College Board and ACT don't want to see that happen. Right. But, again, all of these things she's suggesting, I see the theme as reducing stress for students right. and reducing the, fra- the frenzy and the chaos for students. Uh, she proposes supporting HECA and IECA membership and their professional standards um, and strongly encourage membership in one of these organizations. These organizations are for independent educational consultants. You can hire people who will help you, who will be your essentially your college counselor. You've got counselors in schools, but if you want more individualized attention, you can hire people who belong to these organizations. But not every independent belongs to these organizations and supports their ethics, a.k.a., not a.k.a., but, you know, Singer, right. CW1. Right. We eliminate the reporting of AP scores on applications. We use the data provided by UNC and others to persuade colleges, schools, and parents that taking vast amounts of AP doesn't make sense educationally. I was visiting Duke one year, and one of the counselors asked the question to the Duke admissions guy giving our presentation, and the question was, should I take, should I have my students take take, uh, AP classes? Would you rather see AP classes with Bs or or lots of regular classes with A's. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of that visit in particular. Great school, but the, the dude wasn't very cool. But his reply was, actually, at Duke, we like to see AP classes with, with A's. A's. But the competition with so many applications to schools like that, they're going to be have to split hairs, and students think they have to take five and six APs. And you know what? They're right. To get in to places right. like that, if you're not, you know, if you're going in the front door, not the side door, you you almost have to. Uh, and, and and maybe I could be wrong, but that is my impression with with my students. Um, I don't preach that here. Maybe that's why my kids don't get in everywhere. I'm not right. sure, but uh, but I don't want my kids taking a load of APs. Well, especially in a subject that they have absolutely no interest in, it just doesn't make sense. But do you get a million questions such as? What will colleges think? Right. Right now, we just finished up scheduling mm-hmm. in the last month or so. What will colleges think if? What will colleges think if? And we have to give that answer. Right. You and I have to give that answer. And we have to give, like, an accurate answer. We can't, we can't give our philosophical answer. Right. We have to give them a real answer to that question. Right. Well, and I think that's where um, I know NACAC publishes the state of college admission every year. And I think using some of that data that's provided um, – Helps me give an answer that's not so philosophical. Right. Like, here's some actual data from actual colleges. Here's what, here's what colleges are saying right. in their surveys. Yeah. Yep. All right, so this next one, I'm going to try and stay calm. Okay. We support high school counselors in their roles by advocating for lower student-to-counselor ratios. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Preach it. And specific training on college admissions in every state and district. My God. What's your ratio, Joel? Uh, you don't even want to know. 
I, I don't even want to say, but let's just say, say it. it. It's too high. All right. I am an adjunct professor, uh, have been, not currently, uh, at Northern Kentucky University and at Xavier University. And it's very difficult to find college coursework on college admissions mm-hmm. for, for counselors. And I've been pushing it. I've been emailing the NKU uh, department chair saying, I'm ready to teach this class, ready to teach this class. It isn't offered yet, but I hope they give it to me if they ever do ever do offer it. But yeah, good job, Katie. Nice and, work. And bottom line, professional school counselors have the training to do college admissions and to also understand the social-emotional needs of teenagers. Yes, well said. There you go. Um, We support and celebrate all students and their choices, including community college, gap years, etc. I think think we do a good job with that, but we need to make sure we're not subtly putting more effort and more energy into the MIT kid as we do the kid going to Bluegrass. I think we need to kind of check ourselves in our offices as we do that. Right. We support counselors at independent schools whose boards slash administration evaluate them on the enrollment in certain sectors of education. As a good colleague told me, quote, you can rank food, study abroad, and residence halls as well as college admission. Right. And, yes, independent schools are tough because their board wants to know how many Ivies did your kids get into this year. Right. I had a, I had a friend of mine in my, in my class who changed schools. She was getting too much pressure. She's probably one of the best counselors I had met in Texas, and she had to leave school, leave her school, not for just that reason, but I know she had a lot of pressure because in a certain year – not as many students got into an Ivy League school as they got into before. So the pressure is great, and it comes from lots of directions. So she finishes with, I realize that these are lofty goals, but isn't it time for us to come together to reframe the experience for students, families, and our colleagues? I hope these comments help to promote substantive and positive discussion. I I think it's fantastic. (laughs) I mean, thank you for saving my prep time as we talked about this, but... It's all of that is what we wanted to talk about. We didn't, well, I kind of just wanted to talk about the case because the case was very intriguing to me. But it's, it really wrapped up all of the things. There's so much to unpack with, 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 this, with this scandal, with this case. And at the very least, the, the silver lining, the benefit, whatever you want to say, has us, has us talking about these things in a more real way. So let's do this. Let's take one final break, come back, because we've spent two podcast episodes on this. Let's come back with some final thoughts and maybe lead into what our next episode is going to be all about. Sounds good to me. We'll be back in just a minute with Get School. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. We want to finish up with some final thoughts in this emergency two-part series about the college admissions scandal. But in all seriousness, we, we want to leave you and talk about maybe the question of what should matter in college admissions. You know, these people are using uh, the scandal, uh, cheating in ways where they already know what does matter because they know that they know how it works. But what should matter? And I'll let you, Joel, you've been thinking and talking well, about this a lot. What, what should matter? Maybe, maybe I sound naive by saying this. Shouldn't the student matter? At the, at the very basic level, 
shouldn't shouldn't this be student centered? Where I think a lot yeah. of what was going on with this was parent centered and college centered and college centered. What's best for the college? You know, and I I know that sounds really simplistic, but no, it's ju- just starting at the most basic level. College admissions should be about students, and I think sadly we found in this case that it wasn't. It or, wasn't, you know. And so, just back to some of the some of the most basic parts of it. College admissions and and sending students to college should be about the right fit. It should be about having the right programs for students. As far as the admissions process, what's the student's story? You know, what's their background? Um, what have they achieved? What have they overcome? Uh, you know, there was a NACAC session I went to once. The director of admissions at Brown University, and I've used this story many times, but he talked about a football stat called yards after catch. And some students go to a school, well, if you don't know the stat, it's how many yards a receiver or a running back gains after touching the ball. A screen pass might be a one-yard pass, and then however far they run after that before tackled is how many yards they get. And that goes in their YAC, yards after catch. Some schools have the, have the ability to provide you with a quarterback who can throw a 90-yard pass, and all you have to do is stand in the end zone and catch the ball. Right. Other schools don't have resources. And what Brown contended that they would like to measure in a student is yards after catch. So comparing your opportunities to where you've gone with them right. should matter a whole lot more. So if it's me, I love that story. I want a kid who has yards after catch. It's about growth. It's about growth. It is maybe my school could only throw me the screen pass or a five-yard post route or something, but then I took the ball all the way to the end zone and did something with that. How funny that we're making an athletic reference. (laughs) (laughs) That is ironic. Given uh, this whole episode. Perfect. It's perfect. It's legitimate yards after catch, not photoshopped yards yards after catch. That's exactly right. You know, I think many conservatives probably, and I I listen to conservative podcasts. I read a lot of of liberal articles. I, I try to stay in the middle. I try to I try to learn from both sides. I would say many conservatives believe too much emphasis is placed on on under resourced, uh, underrepresented populations. There's even a lawsuit with uh, suing Harvard right. for uh, Asian American students with very high test scores not getting admitted versus students with lower test scores but more yards after catch. than than them. I think many liberals would believe that not enough emphasis is placed on underrepresented, under-resourced populations. And and there are definitely two schools of thought in in our population right now. I think, though, you know, at at the end of the day, maybe it is a holistic review. Maybe it is for a school. Maybe it is looking at more than just a GPA and a test score, you know. So, again, you get that student story. You get that background. Um, At the end of all of this, we know that in some ways college admissions can be subjective. Certainly. But if the focus is on students and not on money or alleged athletic ability or legacy, but it's trying to get a student from point A 
to point B? On our end, I think there are things we can control, yeah. which is the message, it's the rankings, it's the things you and I do every day. I'm not a college. I don't work at a college. Right. You don't work at a college. I imagine it's difficult mm-hmm. when you get 20,000 applications and you have 1,500 seats right. to make those choices. And, and I'm not minimizing how difficult that oh, would be. Oh, not at all. And, and I don't know how you quantify you know, a kid's, a kid's background versus test score and how you have some sort of right. scaled number. And I think the vast majority of colleges and universities are already do, trying to do the right thing. A lot thing. of that, yeah. yeah. Um, but just maybe a, a re-emphasis. I think that's what the scandal does. Yeah. I think that's what the scandal does. Gives us a chance to, to re-emphasize that, to think about that. Just a few days ago, uh, University of Denver, published that they are going test optional Mm -hmm. and in in the groups that we're involved in they got a lot of praise for that leading toward a more holistic approach when it comes to that you know some agree some don't that special talents should matter some agree most don't that athletics should have more weight than other special talents that same duke visit uh in the in the conversation they were talking about how they looked at special talents and they and they said well you know, you might have somebody who is a, is a basketball player or an oboe player, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I guarantee you at Duke, the basketball player has a lot more weight than... Who gets in first, Zion or, Williamson or, or an oboe player? Or does Zion play the oboe? Right, yeah. Maybe that would be Maybe the holy it. grail right. of, of college students. Well, and that's a whole other episode of athletic funding and... and right. Yeah. Right. Um, I think some believe... That well, a lot in our profession believe that the test scores, as we mentioned before, they're biased and potentially unnecessary in college admissions. I think a lot would argue that they're not necessary in in predicting how well right. a student will do when they get to college. Transparency, huge problem. We know that. And and what's the impact of legacy? Should there be any? Right. Should there be a? Because you had mentioned it off off air, but. Parents are also paying, this goes back to episode two, parents are also paying for the legacy. Right. Because once that kid gets into that school, they have now been. Now their children have That's a leg right. up. Now, now their children also have a leg up. You know what? That probably is worth half a million dollars when, when we talk about the cost-benefit analysis. So, of the last so now before I ever even bring up an application, I'm already one step behind. Yeah. Yes. You and I are. Right. With our kids. Right. That's for sure. All right, that was a lot to tackle. You better believe it. Nice work. Nice work, Joel. So I personally have disturbingly enjoyed following this case, and I will continue to see what the aftermath is. Uh, We do know we need to constantly evaluate how students are served and selected in this landscape, and that's what our podcast is all about, understanding and talking about college admissions. I'm really looking forward to our next episode where we talk about college rankings. Provided there's not more breaking news. Provided we don't have a third and fourth special (laughs) emergency episode. Um, But college rankings, you know, the thing that everyone hates but won't get rid of. No, not at all. Thank you for spending time with us. We hope you join us next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. See you later. domino effects of your lies are endless. 
the domino effects of your lies are endless. Your dreams.